Letter thirty one of Letters of John Keats to His Family and Friends. Edited by Sidney Colvin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nemo. To Benjamin Bailey. Hampstead. Friday, January twenty three, eighteen eighteen. My dear Bailey, twelve days have passed since your last reached me what has gone through the myriads of human minds since the twelfth we talk of the immense number of books the volumes range thousands by thousands but perhaps more goes through the human intelligence in twelve days than ever was written how has that unfortunate family lived through the twelve one saying of yours i shall never forget you may not recollect it it being perhaps said when you were looking on the surface and seeming of humanity alone without a thought of the past or the future or the deeps of good and evil you were at that moment estranged from speculation and i think you have arguments ready for the man who would utter it to you this is a formidable preface for a simple thing merely you said why should women suffer ay why should she by heavens i'd coined my very soul and drop my blood for drachmas these things are and he who feels how incompetent the most skyey knight errantry is to heal this bruised fairness is like a sensitive leaf on the hot hand of thought your tearing my dear friend a spiritless and gloomy letter up to rewrite to me is what i shall never forget it was to me a real thing things have happened lately of great perplexity you must have heard of them reynolds and hayden retorting and recriminating and parting for ever the same thing has happened between hayden and hunt it is unfortunate men should bear with each other there lives not the man who may not be cut up i lashed to pieces on his weakest side the best of men have but a portion of good in them a kind of spiritual yeast in their frames which creates the ferment of existence by which a man is propelled to act and strive and buffet with circumstance the sure way bailey is first to know a man's faults and then be passive if after that he insensibly draws you towards him then you have no power to break the link before i felt interested in either reynolds or hayden i was well read in their faults yet knowing them i have been cementing gradually with both i have an affection for them both for reasons almost opposite and to both must i of necessity cling supported always by the hope that when a little time a few years shall have tried me more fully in their esteem i may be able to bring them together the time must come because they have both hearts and they will recollect the best parts of each other when this gust is overblown i had a message from you through a letter to jane i think about cripps there can be no idea of binding until a sufficient sum is sure for him and even then the thing should be maturely considered by all his helpers i shall try my luck upon as many fat purses as i can meet with cripps is improving very fast i have the greater hopes of him because he is so slow in development 
a man of great executing powers at twenty with a look and a speech almost stupid is sure to do something i have just looked through the second side of your letter i feel a great content at it i was at hunt's the other day and he surprised me with a real authenticated lock of milton's hair i know you would like what i wrote thereon so here it is as they say of a sheep in a nursery book on seeing a lock of milton's hair chief of organic numbers old scholar of the spheres thy spirit never slumbers but rolls about our ears for ever and for ever oh what a mad endeavour worketh he who to thy sacred and ennobled hearse would offer a burnt sacrifice of verse and melody how heavenward thou soundest live temple of sweet noise and discord unconfoundest giving delight new joys and pleasure nobler pinions oh where are thy dominions lend thine ear to a young delian oath i by thy soul by all that from thy mortal lips did roll and by the kernel of thine earthly love beauty and things on earth and things above i swear when every childish fashion has vanished from my rhyme will i grey gone in passion leave to an after time hymning and harmony of thee and of thy works and of thy life but vain is now the burning and the strife pangs are in vain until i grow high rife with old philosophy and mad with glimpses of futurity for many years my offering must be hushed when i do speak i'll think upon this hour because i feel my forehead hot and flushed even at the simplest vassal of thy power a lock of thy bright hair sudden it came and i was startled when i caught thy name coupled so unaware yet at the moment temperate was my blood i thought i had beheld it from the flood this i did at hunts at his request perhaps i should have done something better alone and at home i have sent my first book to the press and this afternoon shall begin preparing the second my visit to you will be a great spur to quicken the proceeding i have not had your sermon returned i long to make it the subject of a letter to you what do they say at oxford i trust you and gleig pass much fine time together remember me to him and whitehead my brother tom is getting stronger but his spitting of blood continues i sat down to read king lear yesterday and felt the greatness of the thing up to the writing of a sonnet preparatory thereto in my next you shall have it there were some miserable reports of rice's health i went and lo master jemmy had been to the play the night before and was out at the time he always comes on his legs like a cat i have seen a good deal of wordsworth hazlitt is lecturing on poetry at the surrey institution i shall be there next tuesday your most affectionate friend john keats end of letter thirty one